Indecent exposure. You were convicted of indecent exposure for the third time. That's exactly what it is there, Poindexter. It is four counts of indecent exposure. Greetings, my indecent brothers and sisters. How the hell have you been? Well, you're here. That's something, right? Welcome. Welcome to episode number 43 of Indecent Exposure. As you probably noticed, this show has has been on hiatus for rather a long little bit over the winter. There's a lot of reasons for that. Paying gigs. My role as a professional, as a teaching, homeschool teaching professional. Uh, but probably... The biggest is an onslaught of debilitating depression that affected nearly every aspect of my life. And with depression came doubts, and with doubts came delays, and then the dust began to settle, which depressed the fuck out of me even more. Now, I have successfully battled this demon for, God, decades, and it has not been this bad since way back in some very dark times. And I know I'm not alone out there. So many of my friends, especially my creative and artistic friends, uh, they fight the same demon. And this pandemic has just been emotional quicksand. Now, in an odd twist, it turns out that I owe a huge debt of thanks to today's guest, and featured artist Kendra Black for helping to pull me out of that quicksand, whether she knew it or not. Now, from the first time we talked, she has been checking on me, checking in on me pretty regularly, mainly to find out when the hell her episode is going to drop. But also, I sense, also because she suspects uh, some of the roadblocks I've been staring at trying to get this show back online. And those regular check-ins have been like little little bursts of light and warmth through a dingy window. Now, I am already uh, lining up artists for the next episode, and I'm very gratified that so many of the bands and artists that I love are starting to book dates again, play out again, uh, and, and, and in many cases, you know, live shows, for real, honest to goodness, uh, in the flesh. Usually outside, distance, but still. Um, and I can't wait to share with you all the indie music news that comes my way, and a lot of it comes my way all the time. So, indecent exposure rides again, brothers and sisters. Um, But before we leave the topic, do, do you know anyone who struggles with depression? Do this for me. Give them a call. Make a date to go on a walk together, and then hold them to it. Send them a card for no reason at all. Your intentions will not be a cure-all. They will not be. But they can gift your friend some emotional breathing room. Are you personally stuck in quicksand? Don't let it pull you under. Okay? Um, There's no reason to. There's no earthly reason to. Remember that a lot of things that would be most helpful are the things that you are least inclined to do right now. So force yourself to get outside and move around, uh, take a walk, something, if you're able. Rain or shine, uh, pick one friend to meet for coffee. And during the conversation, kind of admit to them that you've been having a hard time. And that it helps so much just to, just to connect. 
Now, of course, some people have absolutely no idea how to process heavy shit like that, so you may want to sort of go easy on the details if you see them start to squirm, but that's okay. You know, you're not just cluing them in, you're also acknowledging to yourself, in the moment, that you're taking constructive action to combat this evil spirit, and that that action feels good. Now, of course, I am no therapist, so if you find that your psyche is sinking, uh, you may want to consider looking for a professional. And if you're really tap dancing on that razor's edge, razor's edge of the void, well, that's what the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline is for. And that's 1-800-273-8255 in the United States. Again, the National Suicide Prevention Hotline, 800 273 8255. And because I know that I think probably most of our listeners hail from all over the globe, I have also provided a link in the show notes to a Wikipedia entry that lists crisis lines uh, for over five dozen other countries, some with better services than others. But uh, that's a lot of countries. That's a lot of crisis lines. Hopefully, if you need, uh, you need someone to talk to, they will be there. All right, with that heavy public service announcement out of the way, let's talk about this episode. Um, This has been a tough choice for me because there's a lot of backed up music. I have a lot of tunes that are sitting in the queue, waiting, you know, threatening, demanding that I I release them from their bondage next. And I assure you, (laughs) all you little tunes just staring at me from my file folders, you'll get your chance. Don't worry. Um, but I wanted to put together an episode that really flowed. And so we're starting out this show with Immune and their tune Three Feet Deep. Now, Immune is the marching band to either the apocalypse or or redemption. Take your pick. Uh, To them, it might be the same thing. And as the doomsday clock ticks and talks its way toward oblivion, They have chosen to abandon the path of least resistance in favor of authenticity and musical defiance. Uh, This is their words, but I I endorse this message. Uh, Calling the broken metropolis of Los Angeles home, Immune has performed at OzFest and Mayhem Festival and have had their music featured in numerous films and television shows, currently hard at work on a new EP. They have recorded with legendary producers and engineers including Sylvia Massey uh, and Brian Carlstrom. So uh, those are the um, uh, producers of, uh, respectively, Tool and System of a Down and Alice in Chains and Social Distortion. So heavy-hitting tunes, you can, you can guess if you have not heard this act before. Following that uh, will be a Moscow-Los Angeles rock duo. Uh, this band, The Tweed, uh, T-W-E-E-D, was formed in 2009 by lead singer and guitarist Greg Peck and drummer Matt Shepard, and was initially intended as a quartet. However, after a long, hard search and some member changes, the Tweed became a duo in May of 2014. Um, in September of 2016, Tweed, the Tweed became a winner in the unsigned-only 2016 competition. Um, the band had been selected among over 6,000 entries from over 100 countries by the Judicial Com- Community c- Committee, including the Killers and the Struts. Uh, the Tweed garnered the attention of several media, including Musitech, 
uh, Niji Magazine and Thick Magazine and was highly rated by such industry pros and musicians as Rick Krim of Sony Music, Don Griffin of Village Studios, Haydn Bendel of Abbey Road Studios and Guitar Monsters, Steve Stevens and Pete Thorne. Um, at the moment, the two band members are responsible for all phases of song creation uh, and are constantly looking for a team, a record label, to be involved in in the creation of the wonderful music that they have been putting out. Uh, we will hear from them. Uh, what will we hear from them? We will hear The Broken. And finishing off this set is Lieber Electro and their song Caravan. Now, this is a band that formed in Odessa. And when I say Odessa, I don't mean Texas. I actually mean Ukraine. Uh, in 2013, by composer Maxim Gorovenko. It consists of Maxim on, key, on keyboards and probably other stuff, and Lyudmila uh, Vasileva, uh, who is a vocalist. And, and then there's like a whole bunch of like, uh, like Ukrainian Cyrillic font that means nothing to me. It could be, could be anything. It could be... Uh, saying that they all, she also plays guitar and, and bass and, and percussion, or it could be cries for help. For help. I, I don't know. I just don't know. Uh, we'll try to get this uh, translated, and uh, if it's pertinent or, or exciting, uh, we'll throw it in the show notes. Uh, but for now, let's get this show on the road with Immune and Three Feet Deep.
to cover my back I look in your eyes and see who I wanna be You're making up for all that I lack I know I'm alive when you're in love with me The passion we share is worth all the pain I wave goodbye, cursed by mortality Passing away like tears in the rain There's no one left to blame for the scars I leave
Now, that was quite a set, was it not? Yeah, you feel you feel pretty good. I wouldn't say that it was like the set worth waiting for because I put it together, but certainly certainly you know that this next season of, of Indecent Exposure is gonna kick ass. Um, we will be undefeated and we will triumph. Um, and then of course, you know, we're gonna have great interviews um all season long, just like the one that's coming up right now. This is an artist to whom I promise you will thank me for introducing you. Uh, at the intersection of poetry and pulsation, at the junction of elegance and electrification, at the vertex of the visual and the visceral, joining us from New York City by way of Zoom is the incomparable Kendra Black. Kendra, welcome to Indecent Exposure. Thank you. So why don't we uh, why don't we talk about a few things? Um, first of all, um, you have an amazing bio, and of course, a link to your your show pay or your your website so that people can read that bio. Um, but you have been in the entertainment business for a long time. Yeah. Given that you're like all of I don't know like twenty two years old, I don't know how you you fit that all in. Um, well, I'm 25, but close enough. Let's start with uh, dance. You uh, you said because we were talking a little bit about bringing you up to the to the Berkshires one day uh, to do some sort of a, a some sort of a show, um, and I mentioned that we have up here in the Berkshires Jacob's Pillow, which is the the country's oldest, uh, longest running dance troupe. So then you said that you have been in ballet uh, for a long time. Um, how long and, and uh, what was that all about? I've been in ballet pretty much most of my life until I graduated and then um, was captivated by the big city. <laughs> so I was in ballet since I was little. Um, I had a very fast, early um, start to my ballet career. I uh, lived in um, Cannes in France for two years, then in Monte Carlo for a year, and then in the United States for two years, all thanks to ballet. Um, I studied in, um, in different ballet academies, and then I finally graduated from the Curve Academy of Ballet in Washington, D.C., and that's what brought me to the United States. Um, October 10, 2010, that was my first time in the United States, and I stayed. <laughs> no. And then after that, I moved to New York, no. and yeah. Oh, wait, so, so you are not born in the U.S. Where were you born? Oh, no. Um, I was born in Italy, actually, but I, I grew up bilingual, and um, and I also learned French along the way. But um, yeah, <laughs> I thought you knew that. <laughs> That's funny. I am um, somehow I missed that. I've read through the entire bio, and I and I missed that. Um, well, you know. Oh, well, you have, um, you have, as as many people don't know, if you grow up truly bilingual, you can speak both languages with just a barely a trace of an accent in either one. And so, yeah, you sound very American. Um, Thank in, you. In the best in the best of ways. Um, so, tell me something. I have heard that once you study ballet, uh, that you don't that the the poise that it gives you never leaves you. Is that true? I think so, yeah. And I don't know if it's because it attracts a certain type of uh, energy to it, you know, people with a certain type of delicacy, or if it's something that you acquire as you do it. Maybe it's a little bit of both, but it's definitely something that stays with you. It's beautiful. Does it does it come into play at all during your shows? 
Uh, yeah, actually. <laughs> yes and no. Sometimes I'm a little too delicate and I have to learn how to, you know, bang my head a little harder. <laughs> but um, but overall, it's, uh, it's a part of myself that gave me so much. It was the first um, thing that I did together with music that allowed me to express myself because uh, I was always a very quiet um, kid. So, so, yeah, it's something that really gave me a lot of self-expression, that and music. Isn't it funny how us quiet kids, we quiet kids, uh, we hit performing arts and it just changes us. I was yeah. a, I, I was a shy, quiet kid, and then I I hit uh, you know uh, musical theater, and then I just was I became a different. I, I metamorphosed, metamorphosed, transmor- transmogrified, something like that. Um, well, I know that pushing your way through a crowded club. Uh, a dance club. Uh, I'm guessing that ballet probably helps you navigate um, that pretty well. Um, so, when did the music come in? Um, pretty much as early as I was uh, four or five years old. Um, but it's interesting because I grew up doing both, and then I somehow initially thought that ballet was going to be my career, and I did music quietly on the side. And then everything switched. And now I do ballet quietly on the side. And um, music is my career. So um, it was a change that happened to me when I was 18 and um, actually 17. And uh, I graduated as the youngest in my class at the Kirov Academy of Ballet. And um, I actually graduated with three diplomas that year, which um, brought me to then take a gap year. And then after that gap year, um, I sort of like found myself even more. And that was um, a further confirmation that I wanted to, um, you know, make that switch and do music um, extensively and then ballet on the side. Um, because until then, I had been singing, but um, I hadn't come out in the open, really. Like, I did a few shows and people would compliment me on my natural voice. But um, other than that, um, you know, it is when I moved to New York uh, when I was 17 that I made the biggest moves. And it's, it's then that my music career truly started on a professional level Mm. now you embraced the digital um what uh, was was electronic music your first love did you did you dabble with anything else well initially it was r&b that was my first love r&b and rap and hip-hop so i decided to pursue r&b and my first song that i ever released tonight um is uh is an example of that it's kind of like that uh poppy r&b sound however the, the influence i had around me at the time when i was very young and very influenceable brought me more towards pop which i didn't mind but it wasn't my initial plan but anyways i went into pop and it was great and then at one point i was like hmm okay I've mastered that, but I listen to much heavier stuff in my own time. So how can I incorporate that in what I do so that I don't feel like I'm separating from a part of myself by not including that side of myself? So that's when uh, the DJ came into place. Um, I learned from um, my boyfriend, DJ Flobulus, and um, I've been DJing for about a year now. And yet in this year, so much happened. I've had enormous demand bookings and uh, live shows lined up for when they will be possible. Um, I'm also going to perform in Miami um, on March 20th or around March 20th if my slot is a day or so before or after the 20th, I'll, I'll see, <laughs> but I'll announce it soon. And, um, 
And last year, I was also supposed to uh, to perform at Miami Ultra Fest, um, South Padre Island Spring Break Music Festival, but um, both of those got canceled because of COVID. So I'm going to do some of those opportunities this year virtually, and then others next year um, with the addition of the DJ set um, that literally brought me back to life because it was literally the piece that I was missing, the thing that I was you know, missing before even knowing it, um, that, you know, that I would fall in love with it so quickly and that it would be part of who I am during my shows. Yeah, I can tell, um, you've got, you've got at least a couple on, on YouTube of you doing some, um, some long sets, um, where you're clearly getting into it. You've got the hang of it. Um, I, it has never been, it's funny. I, um, I've never tried it. I've never tried my hand at it, but um, I can tell that once you get hooked on it, um, there's got to be, it's got to be like candy. You just, you don't let go. <laughs> so, um, but you, you know, you have, in, in addition to skill, you know, on your rig, you have a, a fantastic voice and you, Thank you. you definitely have some natural talent. But you took that natural talent and you honed it. You sharpened it along the way. Tell us about the benefits or or maybe maybe there weren't any benefits, but you, you got some vocal coaching at a number of places. What did that do for you? Could you have done without it? Um, was it was it would you recommend it? Well, that's the thing. I'm about to um, talk to you about a huge chapter of my life that you probably weren't expecting. Uh, my artistic growth and my vocal growth was actually um, interrupted by something very traumatic that happened to me. So for years, I lost my voice and I was still singing, but it was a little different and a little harder and a little less powerful um, up until basically last year. So it's been about a year and a half um, or so that I've had my voice back and it feels amazing. I'm pushing the limits um, in a healthy way, of course, more and more and seeing everything that my voice can do and just how powerful I can make it. But for years, um, from when I was 18 to um, 24, um, it's been, um, it's been a struggle. So during that time, what happened was that um, there was a, um, an attempted robbery <laughs> at my uh, house in Italy where I was on vacation at the time. And um, it's not clear what they wanted, but long story short, it was a big scare for me because I was the only person in the house and they uh, tried to mess with me as well, which I didn't let them. Um, but at the same time, it was a struggle. It was the scariest five minutes of my life trying to get away from these people and, and save myself. Now, after that happened, I felt incredibly strong and not traumatized at all, which was weird. And I was walking around like, hmm, okay, well, what happened in there that, you know, makes me not scared? Um, and then I realized that my voice was different. So a positive thing that came from that experience that in that moment of my life, in those very long five minutes, I realized that I could have done even more I was like wow okay so if I got kidnapped today or whatever then have I done enough with my music have I done enough with my voice am I on the right track at least and the answer was mm, yeah but you could do more do you really want to do it then do it so after that experience I was like oh wow this is great I've got all this drive and wow I feel badass I I, I you know I survived it and I um I managed to uh 
to <laughs> chase those people out of the house. It's, it's a long story. But, um, but the thing is, my voice started closing onto itself. And that was actually the time where I had the most vocal coaching before and after the years where my voice um, was um, uh, stunted, I guess. Um, I, I didn't have much vocal coaching. I was going by my natural abilities. And then once that happened, I was like, oh, God, let me try to um, get some help uh, with this. And my voice was stunted because my throat felt like it was closing onto itself, like the muscles that I was using to sing weren't working the same way as they used to before. So after extensive vocal coaching in, um, in all directions and also breaks from them because of depression setting in, cause I was like, okay, what happened to my voice? Then, um, the way I opened it up again was by singing very loud and screaming, um, like, you know, like really letting songs out. Um, even if it was off tune, even if it was off time, even if it was off pitch, it didn't matter because I was alone and I was determined to get my voice back because I, I had so many beautiful things that I wanted to do. And I was like, I'm, you know, if I, if I did my feature with Snoop Dogg, if I did all these shows and some of the most prestigious venues in New York with a quote unquote broken voice, then how much can I do if I really get my voice back? And if I really break out of whatever prison is, you know, has been around me until now. So I, I managed to do that. I managed to do that. And I really set my voice free. And the beautiful thing is that now that my voice is working as it should, I can implement all of the vocal training that I had in different ways. You know, um, many people that I worked with had different flavors to their lessons, different, you know, different, um, different techniques that, um, that they had me uh, try to use my voice in. So on the plus side, now I'm, um, I'm very presently discovering that my voice can do a lot from very low to very high to a lot of different dynamics. And I'm really excited. So long story short, I do recommend vocal training. Um, but I also do think that people should, you know, own it and make it theirs. And on top of that, I also think that no matter what training you're having and what, um, what voice you have naturally. If you don't let it out, if you don't unlock that thing inside of you to really know how to use your voice because every voice is different, every person is different, then that, that all means nothing. That thing has to come from inside of you. You have to understand how to unlock that. And that's ultimately yourself. If you learn how to unlock yourself, you learn how to unlock your voice as I can imagine other, you know, other instruments, other crafts and other, you know, yeah, no, I, I, <laughs> I, I'm sure that it is very similar to the, the writer who just for whatever reason cannot seem to write a page for a year, two years more, uh, or, yeah. or the, or the composer who cannot, uh, or the, even the guitar player who's just not there. Um, it's amazing the way the mind and trauma can affect the body. Uh, it's it's astounding that that uh, clearly there was something. I mean, it wasn't physical. I don't think. I don't think there was anything different about your throat. But but the uh, the trauma, the psychological effect of that um, caused you to to lock it down uh, for yeah. a number of years. And being able to finally break free um, is something that not everybody would necessarily be able to do. Um, I think that you do. 
Uh, your story, you know, definitely demonstrates some strength, um, but also discipline. I mean, not here to be, you know, part of the, uh, you know, the Kendra Black Appreciation Society, um, <laughs> but but you've clearly, I mean, everything in your bio in your bio shows discipline, right? Um, Thank you. You've got, uh, you know, everything from ballet to, you know to um, studiously uh, going to vocal training and learning new talents, new things. That strength, you know, it's a funny thing. When you listen to your lyrics, and, and I've gone through your catalog, and the one thing that is impressive to me, well, there's actually a few things, but one of the things that's impressive to me is that you combine strength and openness. A lot of people talk about vulnerability. And I would say that I'm not sure that I see vulnerability or I hear vulnerability as much as I hear in openness. Do you think there's a difference between openness and vulnerability? And what do you think the, the, the place is for either in art of any kind? Yeah, no, um, I really think so. because. Um, I've dealt with a lot of people in my life and in the music industry. And, you know, I'm, I like to be an observer as well and kind of like um, sense people and what they're about. And there's a lot of open people out there that don't really let their vulnerable side out or don't really like feel as, you know, they're not really empathetic people. And there's also, uh, on the contrary, a lot of uh, vulnerable people that yet aren't open. And it's like, it's mind blowing. So um, I, I definitely have a lot of vulnerabilities about me, but it is something that I don't usually let out. For example, um, I love that you love my catalog and the strength in it. I also have a different catalog that isn't out anywhere of extremely vulnerable songs that I'm just getting ready to, ready to <laughs> explode with and um, to put out there. And I'm really excited about this. Um, but, um, but yeah, I have... Um, tended to showcase my strength more than my vulnerability um, throughout these years because it's the way that I kept going, you know, like <laughs> I've been through like a lot of, um, a lot of things and a lot of adventures and a lot of, um, a lot of successes, but also failures during that time. And, you know, plus the voice that, that was acting up on me and me needing to find myself and try on many different skins and um, ways to be was uh, was challenging. So uh, it really caused me to um, become an open, an extremely open person, which is something that I'm really grateful for, because the people that don't allow themselves to be open, especially in creative fields, are literally closing themselves out to a certain um, side of it that they don't want to accept or they don't care to see. You know what I mean? And I think that's very important. Um, to change that. And the world is changing that. We see a lot more variety in everything when it comes to beauty standards, when it comes to voice standards, to genres and the way they're all um, kind of like blending together um, right? yeah. sometimes lately, you know. So uh, I think that's very important. And um, yeah, I mean, I think adventures and, and living and, and allowing yourself to be open to life um, can really change a person and, and open them up. <laughs> Yeah, and I, I think um, I think yes, I agree for sure. And I also think that um, being open also means that you tend to 
opportunity tends to find you more easily when you're open. Yeah. I mean, open opportunity uh, to collaborate with other people, opportunity to see a business uh, venture that you might uh, you might succeed in. Uh, you've you have definitely you sort of encapsulate um, the 21st century woman who you know. I don't know if you want it all, but you certainly seem to be on your way to getting it um, because you have already, uh, you have uh, been a brand ambassador, you've modeled, um, and you have featured your own line of clothes. Um, tell us yeah. a little bit about the businesswoman, Kendra Black. Definitely. So I started my company, Emerald Sounds, in um, late 2019. Um, six months before the pandemic hit <laughs> or about six months until, you know, it got serious. And, um, yeah, and that was interesting because, uh, it kind of like, you know, it both opened up new ways I could, um, do business with my company, but also shut down many ways that I could have. And the reason that I created my company is that throughout my growth, when I was younger, when I was more vulnerable, when I wasn't as strong, um, and I was pretty strong, but like, trust me, I've been through some things. Um, I, I was kind of like pushed um, back and forth from like a lot of different individuals in the industry that um, that tried to make me into something. Um, oh, you should do that. Oh, your voice would sound good um, in pop uh, genres. And oh, you should change this about yourself. It would make you more appealing. Or, or some people told me to to um, uh, sing softer which is something that as you may have noticed is is something that I'm not that is that isn't part of my sound I mean I love singing soft but also I need to belt because that's what I'm made of that's what my voice wants to do naturally so I found myself in a very confused um state where I wasn't really uh sure um who I was because of all these people kind of like putting different layers that didn't belong to me that I had to break free from and um, and that's the reason why I created my company, with which um, I have a, a record label, and I release my music through my own label, Emerald Sounds. I also sign artists to my label and offer a lot of resources for um, release packages and full shows and um, like really any resource that an artist may uh, may need. And um, you know, the company is an extension of myself, but I myself have always been in love with the entrepreneurial side of things and the business aspect. And you're really right. You, <laughs> you, you nailed it when you said that um, I, I want it all. I really do. And um, even if I don't get it, at least, you know, and I love trying and I love doing everything that I can to express all of these different sides of me. And one more thing I'm going to say is that I noticed that in the industry, um, the the business side, the um, um, uh, the knowledge of the business and how things work and are supposed to work when it comes to 
splits and royalties and payments and collaborations, often they keep us in the dark because they don't want us to know too much because a lot of people out there try to take advantage of artists. And it's really sad that this is still happening, you know, that everybody is getting hustled out there, especially genuine, naive artists that are just starting out, which is also something that kind of happened to me. And uh, I wore so many hats and I've been through so many things that I was like, wait a minute, let me do something that can possibly um, contribute to changing the industry. And that's where Emerald Sound was born, my, um, my company. And with that, I really aim to be a resource and a help to any artist out there that is, um, that is looking for either um, some missing piece for their project or a place to release their music. You know, it's basically a safe haven of resources that I wish I had access to when I first started and I did not. Um, so that's, uh, that's also part of of what I do. And of course, the company is an extension of who I am. But myself, Kendra Black, um, is, you know, I'm someone that is very, very um, passionate about the entrepreneurial side of things and about um, how all the, the business side of things works. It's something that I've always loved, even though I got into it just now and um, in 2019. And it's something that I definitely want to pursue. It's something that I love. Um, I do a lot of um, other things on the side related to business, by the way. I'm getting my brokerage license and um, I work with uh, financial institutions. If I can make of myself both the amazing artist that I hope to um, keep becoming and keep growing into and also a business person that is a shark, but a nice shark, somebody that will fight for you, <laughs> not that will hustle you, then yeah, that's, that's my goal. Cause I love, uh, I love both sides of me. And um, yeah, if I can be both an airy, beautiful artist and a tenacious um, shark, then yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think you have to be, you have to be, if you're going to hustle, hustle, right? I mean, you cannot, wait for the world to get on your page you can't wait for the world Definitely. to understand your vision to to go along uh with your you know with your uh path um you know here at the Greylock glass um uh people they they wonder often what the hell are you doing jay um you're doing all of this stuff are you going to burn out and you know i probably will but hopefully not before i I'm on top. If I burn out and I'm on top, I look like a candle on I'm on a cake. That's the way I look at it. As long as I as long <laughs> as I make it to the top. Tell us a little bit about um tell us a little bit about New York. Now you um do you do you kinda hit the club scene as well as uh, as perform in it? Do you are you is that part of your sort of your nightlife? Yeah, I mean, before things shut down, I I love um, nightlife. I've been um, I've been a party animal since I was very young because being European, um, we really don't have uh, that many breaks <laughs> to us, especially when it comes to the club scene. And um, immediately uh, when I when I came to New York, I, I realized that the club scene here was special. There was this energy about it, um, and this wildness about it, and all this um, all these choices of venues and clubs and, and 
and different styles and, and music and, and fashion and people, there's, there's great influxes of everything. So I was really fascinated by it. And um, it's something that I still love. But uh, I realized that when I started DJing, I enjoyed it even more as a DJ than as a person dancing and vibing to the music. Because as I was DJing and singing, I would um, become the music even more. And that was a very powerful um, feeling because um, the club scene really inspired me throughout these years in the city to... um, you know, to, to lose myself before I could find myself and then be like, all right, now I'm going to go up there and sing and use all this energy that I gathered from going out and living and, you know, and this, that, and this beautiful, and this beautiful energy. But then, um, after when I started DJing, I was like, wow, I can, I can do everything at once. I can live, I can rest, I can work, I can, um, breathe, I can be focused, I can be, um, in my head, I can be present. Um, I can be dreaming all while I'm doing this. Um, and that's great. Obviously you got to keep the time. You got to keep the tempo. You got to keep the technique, but it really helped me to, uh, to let go and to be like, Oh, wow. Now I'm in control of the vibe that everybody dances to. Um, so it literally like made a, a huge change in how I experienced nightlife as well. Yeah, no, I can I can imagine that uh, I I've um, been in a few bands and it is different um, on stage uh, than it is on the floor. So it's uh, it's a neat thing. But you know the 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 thing that the thing that really I've heard from a lot of you know friends from the city is that the nightlife wasn't just the recreation. You know, it wasn't just the thing they did at the end of the week. It was part of their identity. You know, it yep. was it was their social life. It was their fashion life. It was their their artistic life. It was it was everything, and um, and I'm wondering if you can see any glimmer of that coming back anytime soon. I mean, are there any um, are there any whispers that that things might open up again, or, or what do, what do you hear? Oh, definitely, definitely. The problem is when, because um, that um, club scene is driven by a desire to meet new people and to uh, walk out in your beautiful dress and be looked at and um, to buy drinks for the person that you're hitting on. And, you know, there's all these little things that, that happen in the, in the, in the clubbing um, world. Once you enter the club, you enter this whole new dimension where people are uh, on, an, on another level, which is why people love it so much. And unfortunately, I think, until we will have something that's close to a cure or a vaccine that's like extended and into everybody's bodies, <laughs> then um, I don't know how soon everything is going to come back. But I sure hope it does soon. And one thing I'm also sure about, that first year of music festivals, um, clubs reopening, um, concerts, venues, shows, um, that's going to be huge. People are going to be um, really partying. And that I think that year will uh, will will be alive in history, not only because that will mean that we will have somewhat defeated COVID, but also because of all the, all the love and repressed energy that people are dying to get out and, and express, you know, by dancing, by singing. One beautiful thing that 
I noticed um, at the beginning of the pandemic, especially by watching like live streams in, uh, in Europe and everywhere, really. But it really hit me when I saw a few videos of people in Italy um, singing to each other, neighbors singing from different houses and then music playing and people dancing on their front porches. Um, even if they were social distancing. And, you know, that's everything. That is what drives people to want to go out to a club and dress nice and live and, and be themselves. That's that um, that empathy that they're looking for, that that connection, you know. <laughs> yeah, no, that's that's well said. What's well said. And, and, and the connection is 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 not broken. Um, but it's certainly short short circuited, and I know that that has caused a lot of unhappiness, uh, a lot of genuine depression, um, and I know that there are a lot of folks who have a hard time dealing with it, and and of course, you know, in the music world, um, a lot of people have been doing, um, as as you've done, some distant uh, performances, you know, some some streaming performances. Um, has that? Um, has that kept some of your fans uh, sort of, do you feel like you're still connected? Yeah. Yeah. And I also have some new fans thanks to this new virtual movement. Um, so, so far the platform that I've used the most for my virtual live streams is Facebook. You can go check out my older ones on my Facebook page as well. Kendra black music. Um, and I'll obviously do more on Twitch and TikTok and all those, good platforms but i really enjoyed streaming on facebook to be honest and um and so far that's where i have the most um content um as far as my live streams and i think it's something that people won't necessarily um talk away once things will reopen and it's it's a very powerful tool it's a powerful tool to reach people it's a powerful tool to get better because you perform for people, but you feel like you're alone. Like, you know, when they say dance like nobody's watching, um, perform like nobody's watching, that's literally what we do when we live stream. We know there's people watching us, but we're in our zone. So I think that was an incredible um, gift to us musicians as well. Minus, you know, things sure. not being actually open. But, but I'm honestly, I'm grateful because if it wasn't for this um, necessity to do things virtually, I don't know if I would have explored it in such depth and do um and, and and have done all these all these things that i that i've done over the past few months and it's crazy to believe it's been a year ever since covid started but that was my first time actually going live on facebook <laughs> last year in uh, march because um i used to you know really enjoy performing live and i had so many live shows that i didn't really you know I wasn't really interested to do things virtually. And, and then I was like, wow, it's a whole new world. I actually love it. And it's, it's important. That's a really, that's a really interesting take, a very optimistic take on it as well, that, uh, that it has given you uh, some new skills and some new perspectives and certainly new fans. Um, that's, that's pretty cool. And of course, Facebook being Facebook, um, you know, people, you can, you can set it as an event and uh, people get little reminders when that's coming. So it sort of keeps them in the loop, um, keeps them, you know, hooked into your into your schedule, into your performance schedule. I was just going to say, uh, as soon as Facebook started cutting as artists, though, because of, um, you know, they, they don't want live music on Facebook. That was a that was a huge, um, um, you know, turn off because um, as artists, like especially with everything going on, like we 
that's what that's what keeps what keeps us going just performing even if it's virtual uh we need to express ourselves so when they started cutting djs especially you know because um they'll hear like a track and that is an hours maybe and they'll block our video or sometimes to be honest uh some of my videos have been taken down because they detected one of my songs and they ask you do you have the rights to use this and i'm like giggling i'm like yeah, yeah of course i do it's my song and they still haven't listened because I don't know if, you know, how many people actually, you know, get into that and, and evaluate each case. So I really hope that changes. And I'm, I'm pretty sure I'm speaking on behalf of um, all of my DJ and um, musician friends. Um, but, uh, but yeah, if it you wasn't are. for that. Um, yeah. You are, you are speaking on behalf of musicians everywhere and DJs. Um, you know, the thing that kills me is there was a, a platform known as concert window and they um they went belly up uh they 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 closed down about two years ago and that's all they did is live music performances and um it's just mind-numbing that if they had managed to hold out one more year they would have been the biggest thing in the world um, because mm. every musician would have, and every artist would have gone to them, but, uh, yeah, they, uh, how, how do you know? Um, I mean, you can do you, YouTube, you know, YouTube live works pretty well. Um, though not everybody's is into that. Um, what else is, oh, there's else? so many platforms. I mean, if, if they were all, um, welcoming <laughs> to musicians and DJs without cutting us, short then i'm pretty sure that all of them would be successful um and i mean i get what they're trying to do of course if it's my track that someone is playing i would want to earn money from it but at the same time it it's a positive thing in itself if somebody is spinning my track you know just like if i'm spinning someone else's track they'll be happy about it no doubt um and i'm not earning anything they are um but i think if they fine-tune their process of getting um, the money to the right people through virtual, um, you know, detection, like kind of like Shazam right. detects which song it is, they have more advanced softwares, then that could be a game changer. Because at that point, if I do a DJ set of an hour and some songs are mine, other songs are songs that I'm spinning from like other, um, other um, um, composers to, you know, kind of like Peekaboo and, yeah. and other artists, compliment then you know all of those people including myself could be earning money during that hour and multiplied by a thousand times of all the people that are spinning their songs on live streams and that would be a much smarter um way of doing it if they can um perfect that rather than cutting us because then no one's earning money right i mean you'd think if anybody can figure that that out it's going to be facebook and if anybody can figure out how to take ten percent, it'll be Facebook. So, um, but that's <laughs> but that's better than that's better than not being able to 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 you know keep yeah. your keep your videos there. Um, well, tell yeah. us, Kendra, what um, what's on the near horizon for Kendra Black? What uh, what do you have coming up? Um, what should we be on the lookout for? And um, and of course, how do people find out about you? You can find everything about me on my website, KendraBlackMusic.com, and on my social media, which is Kendra Black Music Everywhere, except for Twitter, which is Kendra Black Live. 
And um, I've got a lot of um, cool things coming up. Um, the remix of my song um, Hustla featuring Spice One that were, was released uh, last summer is about to come out, as well as two music videos for the Hustler project for both the, um, the original song and for the remix that's about to come out. And I'm really excited about these projects because I don't want to reveal too much, but they um, are very um, telling about how the music industry has, uh, has felt for me. And I'm sure for a lot of people throughout these years. And um, I'm, uh, I'm pretty sure that they will love the artistry of it and the way things are, put together and, and, and pictured and, and how the storylines intertwine with each other. So I'm really excited about this, um, this, um, these videos that are part of the hospital project that are going to come out soon. And I also have a few shows lined up, um, in Miami and March, and also a few more, um, like I said, um, Miami Ultra Fest, South, um, Padre Island Spring Break Music Festival. Um, some of these, um, festivals are canceled. Some of them are doing things virtually. Others are just having me next year. So all of my um, tour schedule will be on my website very soon. And I hope to be able to go to as many cities as possible, of course, safely um, and, um, and perform as much as I can. And even if it's just virtual, I'll jump on it. So um, any time that anybody wants to check out what I'm doing virtually, just connect to my Instagram or Facebook and um, and my website, of course, and um, you'll be able to find the newest uh, DJ sets and songs and content and, and influencer opportunities and things that I'm up to. Um, yeah, as you mentioned, I also do a lot of uh, fashion collaborations. There's going to be more of that coming out soon, too. And um, I'm actually in the process of revamping my clothing line, which will be re-released uh, through Emeralds because it used to be a Kendall Black only type trademark. And, and now I'm, I'm trying to, um, to get it out there in a more global way. And I think people are going to be pleasantly surprised because there's going to be so many styles. It's no longer going to be something just to complement the merch section of my website and shows, but it's going to be an actual um, line with um, a lot of work behind it as far as um, designs and collaborations and, you know, all that fun stuff. That's very cool. That's very cool. And and I'm looking at your website right now. And, you know, we in the digital green room uh, before this uh, interview, we talked about getting you up here to the Berkshires. And uh, and I and I, I I'm going to hold you to that. You're going to you're going to perform up here. We're going to set that up. And I, I love to. And I'm seeing on your on your sh your your shows uh, tab on your menu. You click that and there is a button that says request a show. Where would you go? I mean, how far would you go to do a show? What would what would people need to do? Have like what, a hundred people, a hundred tickets sold, two hundred tickets sold? What would what would it take to get Kendra to say California? Yeah, I mean, as long as there's a demand, I'm there. Um, and with the fact that I'm actually um, European and that makes me, you know, international, I, I travel all the time back and forth. Like, I'm really not afraid to uh, to travel places. I'm, I'm actually very um, passionate about traveling. So anywhere that there's an opportunity, I'd love to go if it's something that, um, you know, that that is um feasible and um, able to put together. I've performed in, uh, in Texas. I've performed in, um, in Florida. 
uh, briefly. I'm excited to perform in Florida much more in depth in these new concerts I'm about to do. I performed in Italy. I performed in France. I performed in Egypt. Um, <laughs> and my early, early, early days when I still wasn't even Kendra Black. Um, so really, yeah. Um, if anybody wants to be There's a lot of U.S. cities to hit, so I'm sure you'll be busy. I'll tell you what, we're going to um, we're gonna play a tune, obviously, on this uh, of yours in this podcast. What, uh, what tune that, that isn't part of the live set should I spin for the audience? Let's see. I just released the remix of Medicated. Um, I think you would enjoy that. Let's play that. And I've got it. So we will do that. And um, Kendra, I want to say thank you so much for your generosity of time and in knowledge. Um, it's been great having you on. And I really, I mean it when I say can't wait to uh, to see you perform live. Thank you so much. It's been great to be on your show. And thank you very much for reaching out. Um, this was truly an awesome experience. All right. Well, take care and travel safely. Thank you. Bye-bye. You got me so high, it's like a rush I'm taking shots at steps on steps Gimme, gimme, let me taste it quick Itty bitty one, only need a little bit Your what's good, what's up, can you handle it? I need hit, hit, no, no, please, no more lips Covered in dust like pixie sticks Get me high, I need that Oh, <laughs> 
And again, that was the remix of Medicated by Kendra Black. Um, Isn't she awesome? Isn't she just so authentic? I mean, she's real and she's uh, very open, very honest. And uh, I love that uh, the longer we talked, uh, the more her Italian accent uh, kind of came out. I, I uh, I hope she's not trying to hide it. Um, because I think it just adds to the charm. I really do. Um, that you've got people <laughs> coming from all over the world uh, to, to New York, to Los Angeles, uh, and what do they want to do? They want to make rock and roll. Or, you know, or hip-hop or electro, electro dance uh, music, whatever they're coming here for. They're, they're coming to the U.S. and they're bringing their amazing talents, of which Kendra Black is definitely blessed. Um, I know that we were supposed to have a a video of her of her work, and it's unfortunate that we do not have that video. It, um, in the one instance, really, well, actually, it's been a couple times now, but the couple instances where you just can't count on that omnipresent um, uh, multi-person meeting app that everybody uses and everyone's tired of being on um, begins with Z. Ends an oom, and I just, I, it, it failed me. It quit, uh, it, it collapsed, and I just, it was very, very sad. But we do have the audio. We do have the audio from Kendra Black's, uh, you know, completely amazing performance that she did specifically uh, for Indecent Exposure. And you can listen to that, that set, uh, which is, like I said, just great. It's a short set, it's about 15 minutes, but it's just amazing. Um, you can listen to that by going to the show notes and looking for the player. Not the podcast player, um, but uh, the player that, uh, well, you'll see. It's in the show notes. You can't miss it. I think it's about time to uh, to close out this, this show. And I have a great, great artist to do that with. Um, this is an artist uh, that goes by Ashwa. Uh, he, I found him on Discord. And Discord is more and more. It's not just a place for gamers, but it is filling up with artists of all kind, especially musical artists. So we're going to try to do a uh, I found them on Discord section every show, if possible. Um, they'll probably close out the show because that's a great way to have you stick around and, and discover some new uh, some great new talent. Uh, but Ashwa is going to uh, favor us with the tune. Sleeping Forever. And if you love the tune, like I love the tune, let me know so I can pass it along to the artist. It's mongrel, at indecent, that's I-N-D-I-E-C-E-N-T hyphen exposure dot com. Mongrel at indecent hyphen exposure dot com. And uh, and I, I read every letter, every email that shows up, I read it. Um, and may read it on the air if, if it's uh, if you let me, and if it's you know lavishes enough praise on me and the artist for sure. Let's hear Ashwa's "Decipher Me" featuring Damis Sara off his EP "Sleeping Forever" right here on Indecent Exposure.
Decipher Me by Ashwa. And I have to tell you, there's not many better ways I can think of to close out a, an episode like this. Uh, so thank you to, to Ashwa for for contributing your, your talents to this episode. Hey, brothers and sisters, I got to tell you, I thank you for letting me entertain you. Um, thanks for, thanks for downloading and, and queuing me up on your, your podcast, uh, catcher, whatever it might be. Uh, it means a lot that you, you let me entertain you. And I really look forward to entertaining you again with the next episode. Uh, and I believe I have, uh, another, another guest on. Um, but until that time, I would say just simply, um, Listen to this uh, episode over and over again so that you can soak up the tunes. Uh, you can listen to that interview and special set from Kendra Black. Uh, you can just listen to that over and over and over again. And, uh, and yeah, yeah, it's good to see you. And hey, stay safe. Be good to each other. And for Pete's sake, go easy on yourself. <laughs>